Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Praise God. I believe some in this building know the power of that song and the truth of that song. That at just the mention of his name, sometimes we don't know anything else to say. We're not just trying to be repetitive, but we don't know anything else to say. Amen. Praise God. I know we've been worshiping the Lord, but can we just touch him again in prayer? Lord, I love you today. God, I thank you for the power of the Holy Ghost and for the privilege that that you've given all of us to be here tonight. God, we horribly miss those that are absent this evening and pray for health and healing and protection, God, to those who may be traveling and those that may be sick for healing, Lord, I pray. But thank you for the privilege that you have blessed all of us with tonight, and that is to be in this house and in your presence. In the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord, praise God, praise God. What a tremendous privilege to be in this house. Amen. You can be seated. I want to just talk a minute. How's that? I might talk for about 45. Amen. My uh, heart feels both empty and full. And uh, I can't describe that any better than that. But both empty and full. I'm thankful for the presence of the Lord and uh, how God's Spirit does indeed and in fact undeniably move in our lives. Sometimes, of course, we enjoy those moments where God's Spirit speaks to us in a tangible way or in some way that we can chronicle or we can write down. I've mentioned this for a number of years. This is all to my wife's credit and none to mine. But she admonished me for many years to keep a journal, a daily journal, and it took her a long time to get me jump-started on that. But I have, for many years now, kept a journal. And of those things, it's not just necessarily a diary of the events of the day, although sometimes it's quite as simple as that. But in those times, in the, in the last couple of days, I've just been looking back through a little particular um, folder that I have some of this journal in of times where God has spoken specific things into my heart and life. And I want to remember that. I don't want to forget that. And um, I want to visit that from time to time. And I want to, I want to let the counsel of God of his word and the comfort of his spirit cultivate and renew and refresh some things in my heart. And so we enjoy those moments because we're human and we like intersections and and pinpoints and dots and dates where we can kind of put our hands on that and say, I was here and this is what happened. But it doesn't always happen that way. God more often speaks to us subtly through his word and Maybe the teaching or the preaching of his word, perhaps even in, uh, in reading his word and study, that uh, God just kind of pulls off a little promise and he plants that in our heart. And since our service Sunday and even in preparation for our service Sunday and our Christmas for Christ uh, kickoff and, and the testimony and the kind of little look back into uh, a little bit of Brother J.T. Pugh's life, who has uh, left an indelible impression in my heart and life. Since then, I have a playlist with several of Brother Pugh's messages on on there and listen to them from time to time, but I 
pulled that out Sunday night and uh, actually went to sleep listening to him preach. Woke up Monday morning, he was still preaching because it was on a loop. And uh, you think I preach a long time. <laughs> he, was, he was as fresh Monday morning as he was Sunday night when I left him. And uh, he shared a tremendous story. I had to play it again. And I listened to it again this morning because I wanted to, I just wanted to get the details of this right in my heart. And I just kind of feel to share this with you now. But he named what year this was. It's all been a number of years ago, obviously. But he had gone to the church early in the morning to pray. And then he went back home and began to read his Bible and do his morning things and, and uh, just enjoy his time with the Lord. But he, he said that while he was at the church praying that the Lord just specifically impressed on his heart that if he would do, and he named a couple of things that God was asking of him, and he said, I will do, and he did not name these things. He just simply said, it's an audio, so you, I, there's no visual there, but he just said, I will do this, 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 and this. And uh, so he he. he said the Lord just laid that on his heart in prayer that morning at the church, went back home. It was still very early in the morning, and his phone began to ring. His wife answered the phone and brought it to him and said, there is a man here from, was actually four, over a little over 400 miles away in another state that said, uh, my name is such and such, and he said, this morning I was in prayer. And the Lord spoke to me and prompted me to call you. He said, I had to find your name or your number. And he said, the Lord told me to tell you that, that he was going to do this, 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 and this in your life. So um, Brother Pugh said, can you tell me about what time that happened this morning? So he told him exactly what time it happened. He said, I'm going to receive that. We'd, we love those moments. We would love to have a mantle filled with trophies that says these are the moments and the times and the seasons when God just stepped into our life and he fixed whatever was wrong or he righted whatever was crooked. God just brought the lens of life back into focus. And those seasons certainly I think on to some degree uh, happen for all of us, varying degrees of, of course, but that happens to all of us. But the scripture is so filled with stories and truths, I should say, of lives of people that have dedicated themselves to walk with him and to talk with him. And on the other hand, God has promised all of us that he would provide for us. I mean, he will take care of us. I remember on two different specific occasions in my life being, uh, being charged with providing for my wife. When we were standing before our pastor on June the 11th, 1980, in what we refer to as holy matrimony, my pastor, our pastor, charged me with the responsibility of, of seeing after her and taking care of her and providing for her. And, and uh, when we were about to begin our full-time ministry in 1986, that same man set us down in his office and said, I want you to understand something, that you are going to be responsible for her spiritual nourishment and you've got to feed her. You've got to take care of her, not just clothes on her back, shoes on her feet, but you have a responsibility, a, a spiritual responsibility to feed your wife. She is launching into this ministry with you and, uh, and you have a responsibility to feed her and to provide for her, to take care of her. I took both of those charges seriously and uh, I probably haven't been able to do everything that I've wanted to do and at times not everything I should have done, but I am have taken that call seriously. And I know that God, if God calls us to be a provider, he certainly sets himself as a landmark example of one that can do the same. So he is not asking something of us that he is not more than able, capable, but even better than that, willing to fulfill. 
The book of Genesis chapter 22 is the epic story of Abraham's journey of obedience as he made his way to Mount Moriah. Now, I, I say this a lot of times and it's not just a tagline for the sake of a tagline, but I don't want you to, to be so familiar with the story that you just kind of set down your bucket. Amen. Let's hold your bucket in your hand and let's get something from the Lord because the Lord may not, he may or may not, the night is young, the Lord may or may not speak expressly and specifically tonight, but I believe his word can just underline some promises and settle them in our heart. Amen, I was praying before church about this very message and just asking God to help me to somehow convey uh, a truth. I don't have anything new to say this evening Amen, outside of what God may interject, but I pray that God will help us somehow. And here's what kind of faith I've walked to the pulpit with tonight, that God is gonna give you something to take home. And so I want you to keep your ear to the ground and your heart attuned because we're not just here marking time. We're not trying to get a gold star by our name. We're, we're not trying to get a merit badge at the end of this evening. We've come here this evening to let the hands that are larger than ours and a God that is far more righteous than we'll ever be touch us and change us tonight. We understand from reading the whole story and understanding the, the, the truth, the encompassing truth of Genesis 22 that God did not require ultimately Isaac in the end I believe, as I think we would agree, that God was really testing and trying. He didn't want Abraham to give Isaac as much as he wanted Abraham to be willing to give. There was something in him that had to disconnect from life and connect to heaven. And so he made a way of escape by a ram in the thicket. And we know about this particular story, perhaps most of us, when we read about that specific call on someone's life, it gives us pause to consider our own life and what we would do. Brother Rayleigh mentioned a moment ago names that are on the screen or names that are called in prayer. Some of them we may know the whole story or at least a portion, abbreviated portion of that story. And we may know that it's a temporary thing they're walking through. Maybe they're facing something tomorrow at noon and they just need the guidance of God but others, as he aptly mentioned a moment ago, uh, they, they came to church carrying this baggage and, and they're gonna go home carrying this baggage. It's not just something you can set down and say, I wanna kind of rest and take a break and take a breather. We think about those moments in someone else's life and that should give us cause to, to pause just a little bit and say, Lord, I wanna pray about this as though it were me walking through this. I understand that we can't slip ourselves into somebody else's skin or someone else's shoes, but I believe that God can help us get as close as we truly desire to be able to pray adequately for their needs. We wonder sometimes whether when we are in the throes of the things that we're going through in life, I think I'm safe to say that we wonder sometimes if God really does understand. I mean, we hear it preached and we hear, I can appreciate you not running around the building, but you can certainly feel comfortable enough to say amen. We've just wondered if God really does understand. Does he really feel the weight of this? And we quote the scriptures and we hold them and hide them in our heart that we have not a high priest that can't be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we. We want to believe that and we want to hold on to that. But how many would be bold enough to just say amen when we say sometimes we wonder? Do you really feel how heavy this is? Do you really know? And I'm not trying to be sacrilegious or disrespectful and not even trying to get to the edge of that tonight. I'm just talking about us in our raw humanity, in our moments, not of splendor, but in our moments of weakness. And we ask God, how in the world could I go another day, another mile, another moment? I don't know if I can. If the truth be known, just as a sidebar here, we didn't think probably we could make it this far, but we have. And he's kept us and he's held us by the hand. Amen, we ask God to meet our needs and we ask God to meet the needs of others and we seek his provision in our lives. 
Amen. We wonder sometimes why God isn't responding just like we want him to. But I just want to talk a little bit tonight about God being our provider because he is. I know it sounds so simplistic that we can just kind of let this blow like a feather in the wind or sand through our hands. But I just feel that the Holy Ghost would have us tonight here one more time that God really does provide. Amen. Someone recently, if you're here tonight, I have totally forgotten who it is, so I'm feeling pretty good unless it dawns on me halfway through the story. But uh, <laughs> said, shared a testimony recently uh, with me about, about someone needing some financial help, not anybody here in the church, but just somebody that they knew needed some financial help, and they just felt that the Lord laid on their heart to meet that need, and God gave them back more than that need almost almost within just a few days of that. I mean, we just love those moments when we can say, we did this, and God did this, and we've got receipts to kind of show the outflow and the income, and we hold on to that, and I believe that God does at moments appear to our humanity. I think I really do. I think that we we sometimes acquiesce to our children. Right? I mean, not to their ill, or I'm not talking about to their wrong, but, but there are things that we want them to know and feel and, and not just sense about us, but we want them to be able to have something to, to hold and to touch. I want to be able to know that. There are there are certain times that, that uh, with things that are given to me, especially perhaps if it's monies, that I may want to buy something specific with that because I want to, every time I reach down and pick that up, I want to be able to think about where it came from. And I believe that God sometimes just puts things in our hands and it's just a reminder of where it, of where it came from. There was a provider in our house. There was a provider in our home and in our lives. We seek for that provision and sometimes we wonder why God isn't responding exactly the way we want him to be or, or to respond or is God really involved in our lives? You know, here's the risk that you run when you share a, a, a story like I shared a moment ago about Brother Pugh. Uh, to those who've never maybe experienced something just like that, you kind of feel like a second, what do you call that? Um, uh, I'm, <laughs> somebody help me. When you when you're when you're not good enough to I don't shouldn't say good enough second string there you go <laughs> second string if you're second string players here tonight I don't even want to look up but I'm just saying I don't know enough about what I'm saying I know enough to be in trouble now that's what I do know. <laughs> Sometimes we feel like we're the second string player that we didn't have quite enough to qualify to be out there on the bench on game night, their name being called for every play. But can I tell you tonight, I didn't share that with you so that you would feel that way or that you would feel further down. I'm not sure how many strings there are on a team, but how that you would feel further down the line. But I'm telling you that God every now and then just moves in our life to prove to us, amen, that we are still alive, we still have a spiritual pulse, and he is still active in our lives, amen. We ask God to meet our needs. We ask God to meet the needs of others. We seek his provision for our life, amen, and we understand in our heart of hearts that he will, but I think we all struggle to answer questions from time to time. But God reveals the Lord as, to us as our provider. Certainly, we are finding that in this scriptural setting. In the pages of scripture, he is, he is portrayed as the one who sees and cares for all of our needs. We hear about the sparrow that can't fall from the nest without his acknowledgement of it. We hear about the very hairs of our head being numbered. I mean, that's pretty specific. They're not just counted, but they're numbered. Amen. And so when we think about that and we understand that God knows every intricate detail of our life, I don't think the story is about sparrows. And I don't think the storyline is about hares. I think the storyline is about a God that is saying, you won't slip anything past me. I have my eye so intently on every aspect of your life. Amen. And so we hear uh, the, the pages of scripture replete with stories of God coming through again and again. Those, those ancient stories of old 
that many of us heard in Sunday school of the three Hebrew children and Daniel in the lion's den and David and Goliath and Gideon and a remnant army that was delivered from their enemies and on and on and on the scriptures could go. But I am thankful today to have lived long enough to understand that all of my heroes, I've got many right here, but all of my heroes are not bound up right here. Amen, there are some in here, there are those in here that I long to meet. I don't know what heaven's gonna be like in that regard, how how we're gonna be able to relate in that regard. There are those that I truly wanna meet. But you know what the better part of this is for me here and now is I've met some real heroes. I've put this hand in their hand, been able to look in their eyes and see them and to talk with them and to know them. Amen, and they're not all off in some distant land, but I'm gonna tell you, we've got heroes right here here in this holy house among us every Sunday, every Wednesday. People that have stood the test of time, the absolute test of time. I preach Sunday about uh, that, that we're not just gonna be able to talk about. There's coming a generation that will not be able to talk about being brought out of Egypt, but that didn't mean they lost their story. They had a story about a God that brought them to another place, and so it doesn't end in Scripture, and it doesn't just end at the last period of Revelation, but we celebrate tonight, amen, those that can talk about where they were when God rescued them from the from the, from the plague of sin and how he has wrought miracles in their lives. And so we have our own Hebrew children. We have our own Daniel and we have our own Gideons among us. We have our own Davids that are walking among us. We cherish those stories. We love to hear not just sermons, but songs that cultivate these truths afresh in our heart. However, at the end of the day, we are sometimes guilty of saying, but what about Will God come through for me? Genesis 22, it's an incredible story of the passion that we see Abraham offering his son. We struggle at the very idea in our humanity of that. But there is a singular point to this entire story. That singular point is what it all boils down to tonight. God will provide. He will make a way when there is absolutely no way. Amen. This text reveals how God came to Abraham. This was all a test of his faith. I cannot imagine the emotions that surged through Abraham's heart every year when we read through the Bible again. My heart is stirred afresh whenever I begin to read this story in chronological order, not just reading over it, uh, just the high points of that, but when, my, when I am reading it scripture by scripture, point by point, my heart is just turned inside out trying to put yourself in the shoes or the sandals of a man who was not just writing about this, but who was living it out. This was his son of promise. This was his son of his olden age. This was a son who's through, the, the word said, through his seed, the whole world is gonna be blessed. This doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense. How can I have this word from you over here and now this commandment from you right here? It doesn't make any sense to me at all. What a struggle had to be in his mind. I can appreciate the silence of the scripture in some places. But I don't think that Abraham was superman. I believe he was just a man. And I believe he was subject to every emotion that we have, to every passion that we have, to every encouragement, to every discouragement that we have. Amen. He was a son of promise. He did have the word of the Lord that said through his seed the world is going to be blessed. But you know what? To me, more than all that, he was his son. He was his son. I know that he's gonna be used over here and the promise is to be used over here, but he's my heart. He's everything that I have. His blood coursing through his vein came, amen, in part from me. It's my son. It's part of my flesh and and bone of my bone. And so now Abraham is being commanded to offer him back. What an understatement to say that God tested him. (laughs) What an incredible understatement. It was a test that no one could even imagine. God placed his hand on the most valuable thing in Abraham's life and said, 
I want that. Throughout his life, God had been revealing himself as a God, the God that would provide. And I'm not trying to rehash Sunday, but when we first find Abraham, he was called to leave his family, called to leave his home, and called to follow his God. And he did impart. Amen. With the family members that were a part of his life. He left Ur of Chaldees, his father, his family with them, settled there. And then he proceeded. But as I mentioned Sunday, he took Lot with him who, provi- who proved to be more problem than, uh, than promise. That's for sure. But through all of this, God was trying to show Abraham something. And I believe that in everything we encounter in the background is God is trying to say, come here, I want to show you something. I want to show you something. Amen. God just says, I want to just follow me. (laughs) He's not just saying, follow me to follow me, but what he's really saying is, follow me. If you follow me, I want to show you something. I want to show you something. Amen. And so here he is. God was going to show him something. He was going to prove to him once and for all that I am your provider. I'm going to prove something here. I'm going to show you something here. This is not just a lesson for this afternoon, but this is a life lesson. I want you to write this down. I want it to be so emotional. I want it to be so erratic. I want it to be so off the chart that you never forget this. I can take care of you. I'm not suggesting God was toying with him. But God was showing him something. Amen. And so now here is this father who has been given a promise many years, amen, without it being fulfilled to begin with. Amen. And so I'm going to give you a son a promise and then God gets silent. Amen. And now you're going to have to trust that God really will pull it off. In the midst of that, we know many of us, if not most of us, know the story He and his wife devised a plan whereby they could help God out, which did nothing but but hinder the whole plan of God. And through this, Ishmael was born. Amen, but it wasn't the child of promise. It wasn't what the Lord said. And sometimes we're guilty of doing the same thing. Amen, he said that he would, through Abraham and Sarah, bring forth an heir. Not that you'll just have a child in your home. And there's a big difference between a child and a child of promise. And so this was the lesson in trusting that God will provide. Finally, they saw that that promise fulfilled, of course, in the birth of Isaac. And now God is asking him to give up the very answer to his prayer after all of these years. It must have seemed illogical. I think we could agree. And so now we find Abraham, at least we can pull questions to the surface to discuss tonight, at least for this evening service. Had Abraham learned to trust in God and God's promise and God's word more than his own logic and more than his own rhyme and reason. Had he learned that if he would trust God's word, God would really take care of it. He really will take care of it. Amen, this I believe was the real test that Abraham faced. It was a test of faith. Hebrews 11 so succinctly summarizes and, and, and kind of pulls this all cream to the surface, if you please, in Hebrews 11 and 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out to a place where he should have to receive for an inheritance, obeyed and went out, not knowing whether he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith, also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. How did this happen? Just biologically? No, I don't think so. Amen. She was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Amen. This is not just about life. This is not just about, this is not just about male and female. This is a promise that I hold fast and I'm holding this in my heart. Amen. He is faithful that made this promise. This was not a promise that was just graffiti written on the side of a wall. This is not just some passing fantasy that came along, but the God of all glory of heaven and earth told me this, amen. Therefore sprang there even one, even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky and the multitude and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. 
By faith, if we drop down to verse number 17, by faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac and he that and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. I know I recently read this in verse number 19, but please underline it again in our heart. Here's how he was able to do this. Verse 19, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead from whence also he received him in a figure. Amen, hearing the word of God, amen, we understand that Abraham said, even if I have to take his life, God is able to raise him back up on the same altar that he died on. I don't think Abraham conjured up that faith on top of the mountain. I don't think it may have, it may have been fulfilled or reached its zenith right there, but I'm gonna take you all the way back down to the foot of the mountain when he looked those with him in the eyes and said, we are going to the mountain and we are gonna worship and we are gonna return again. I don't know how God is gonna do all this. I don't know how we're gonna get from here to here and how we're gonna connect all these dots, but I know that he is faithful that made the promise and if God has to raise him back up from the dead, well, he's the giver of life anyway. Amen. So God directs the paths of Abraham, sets his journey toward the place that he had directed and exercise great faith and confidence in the Lord all the while. Now, this is, I've mentioned often, not just a test for Abraham, but this was also a test for Isaac because Isaac wasn't a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. There was a lot of faith exercised on Isaac's part of the well, as well. He was on the verge of doing just what God had asked him to do when the angel of the Lord spoke to him. And this is what we read. <coughs> and he said, lay not thy hand upon the lad, Neither doubt do thou anything unto him, for now I know. I remember Brother Rayleigh saying something about this many years ago. Now I know. Those words just got so underlined in my heart that every time I read them, I think of those words that he shared with us. Now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him for a burnt offering, offering in the stead of his son. Abraham, amen, called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, or the Lord will provide. I've learned something here. There's been an aha moment. I will never forget this. He is a provider. I submit to you tonight, you could not have done anything in the life or to the life of Abraham that would ever made him doubt that God wasn't a provider. I was speaking to people this afternoon who have never taken your son or your child. You've never been to Mount Moriah, literally, but we've been very, very close in similar situations where God just unfolded himself. Perhaps it was almost that last minute scenario, but God just stepped right into the scene and he took care of something. My wife and I have many, many instances in our life that we talk about how that God just absolutely stepped on the scene. It was the last moment, but he was standing there with us. Amen. He was standing there with us. Amen. So we can't miss these characteristics of the Lord and and I, I, I hasten tonight. But in this case, it was the ram, precisely what God or what Abraham needed. And so God called upon Abraham to make the sacrifice and he had been obedient not, not only in thought of that he, he didn't just think he believed God but Abraham now knows that he trusts God and believes God and he shows that faith through his actions and he stayed his hand I don't know how dramatically you read this passage of scripture when you read it but I get pretty dramatic in my mind when I read it God stayed his hand but you see, God had still required a sacrifice. He just changed his mind about who and what. And <laughs> so he said, I still have a sacrifice. It's not going to go undone. Amen, there's a ram in the thicket, the very thing that he needed. He was, he was Jehovah Jireh, the exact thing. Amen, the, the, 
this dimension of God, of who he is, was not locked up in Genesis. It was not just bound up in this particular chapter. And when we read past that, we can't find the fundamental provision of the hand of God, but it bleeds over into every other passage of scripture and it crosses the years of silence and it introduces itself again in in the book of of, uh, Matthew and all throughout the New Testament and it didn't end when John got through writing. Amen, It it didn't just flourish itself here and there throughout history, but all along there has been a resounding echo of promise that God is our provider. We are here tonight. Amen. We are absolutely here tonight because he is our provider. Before we had uh, even life to be here, to be able to be here, or before we had desired that brought us into this house, he was a provider for a generation ahead of us and they just kept coming. They weren't building their hopes on just a social club. They weren't just building their life and their futures on just the ability to get together and fellowship and fry a few fish and have a few events and moments here. No, no, no. No, there was something that was much higher. I'm going to tell you today something that's been on my mind since Sunday. Amen. I just want to I just want to say it from my heart that we need to understand the value of not turning this in to times and just seasons of fellowship. But I believe that when we leave here tonight, that what ought to be in the in the gut, pardon me, but what ought to be in the gut of every man, woman, and boy and girl is I can't wait to get back there Sunday, amen, because I want to see what God is going to do then. Amen, an anticipation, not a, not, a, not, a, not a drudgery on Saturday night. Oh, my Lord, it's Sunday. Oh, my Lord, we gotta go again. How long you think it's gonna last? How long you think we're gonna be there? Amen, I pray for a holy anticipation that be upon our literal lips and the lips of our spirit to say, I just can't wait to see what God is going to do. He's our provider. He's gonna touch us. It's not just coming together. It's not just getting our name on the roll, but it is seeing what God can do and how God will use us to accomplish his mission. Praise God. Amen. So that dimension of God being our provider is not locked up in pages of holy writ. It is not locked up in somebody else's testimony. It is not locked up in another generation's heart and life. Amen. But it is alive and well for us today. And even more importantly, I was reaching and preaching this Sunday for everybody, but I was aiming strategically for our youth because I want them to know, amen, that I believe that the best days of the world of Pentecost is ahead of us. Amen. I believe the best days of the spirit and the move of God they were not locked up in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s, not even locked up in scripture, but I believe that God is gonna do more than we can dream. His word says more than we can think or ask. Praise God. The real question, the real question, amen, is not, will we not just pray for the windows of heaven to open, but we we say, God, help us to break the earth and let the fountains of the deep come forth. Amen, let me be broken. Give me something, Lord, to bring here to the table. God is not locked away. The promises that he made to Abraham and the promises that he made to those that would follow him, that's the same God we're serving today. His word, his word. I try to keep it fresh in my heart when I'm reading his word and I feel a word of promise that comes to my heart from the Lord. I want to remind myself, this is the same voice that said, let there be light. (laughs) And so I hold on to him, my provider. So we trust God. Amen, that he will prove to us again and again. Paul said to the, Ephesian church, he said, now unto him that is able. (laughs) Unto him who has this. Unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. He's not, this is not just a description of God's ability, but it's a description of God's desire to work on our behalf. Like Abraham and, and the like Abraham, the apostle Paul became confident in in God's ability to provide. He said, above anything that we can ask or think. He said that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond that. 
Another important characteristic of God's provision from Genesis that we can mine out of Genesis 22. God provided not just something, he provided the right thing. He meant God had the right thing in the right place. He meant it was all there, it was his plan. God changed the nature of this animal, so to speak. He meant God placed that ram where he was. He meant don't think for a moment this was the first thicket this ram had ever walked past and navigated around. He meant don't think for a moment this was virgin territory to him, but God said, I'm gonna lock him down right here because this is what I need. He was in that place. Amen, God brought him to that place. He said, I wanna show you something. I just wanna show you something. God had Abraham exactly where he wanted him. And I just feel like saying this in the Holy Ghost tonight, he has us exactly where he wants us. And let's just be honest, if God didn't bear down on us from time to time, we wouldn't listen either. Because we're just so busy with life and we're just so busy with the things of this world. And I don't say that in a condescending way. I'm caught in the same web and have to be very intentional to get out of that web. And I say, Lord, help us. And don't let me disregard the times that you kind of pull me off to the side and say, I need to say something to you. Amen. At that moment, he made his providing hand real. God provides for us as well. Amen, when, when he gets us in that place where we're willing to receive it. Sometimes we're not willing to receive. And in order for God to work in us, many times he's gotta bring us to that place and often it takes a variety of circumstances to kind of mold us and get us right where he can just say, are you listening now? Our parents often did it this way. They said, look at me. Right? Don't just hear me. You look at me because I want to convey something to you. There's some emotions that need to go eye to eye, heart to heart, look at me. And there are times that God is saying, look at me, I have this, I have this. Sometimes because of various circumstances or situations in our life, our hearts grow hard. Let's just be honest about that. At times we come to a place that we're not all that willing to receive what the Lord would say to us. Especially if he's trying to speak to us something that we don't want to hear. Sometimes we know the will, we think at least we know the will of God when in fact it's just our will that we truly understand. When we find ourselves in that place, God has to bring us to a far different place because now you'll listen to me. Now you can be quiet. And so just as he did to Israel when he brought them out of bondage from Egypt and into Canaan, he brought them out so that he could take them in. And sometimes he has to do the same thing in our lives to bring us out of something so that he can take us into somewhere else or something else. So he has to deal with us and take us to a place where we're willing and able to receive his words for our life. Sometimes you're just in that right place and somebody can speak something and it lands in our heart when maybe 30 minutes before or two days before it would have just ricocheted off our heart if we even heard it. Amen. And so we have to ask God to touch us. And so if we want to go our way and do our own thing, here's the dangerous part. Sometimes God will just fold his arms, my words. So help yourself. But God desires us to, to, to desires to bless us and to and to change us, and so I want to be willing to let Him do that. I want to talk about one final thing, and and we'll we'll close here tonight. God knows exactly what He's doing, and I know that sounds very simplistic, but we being so bound by time have a hard time comprehending a God that is not bound by time. Time means everything to us because the moment we were born, the clock started counting backwards. Time means everything to us. And so if you're here tonight and, and, and you're aware of where you are in life, we understand I got to make the most of this, the best of this. I want to make the most of every day.
I want to give everything that I can. And so a God that is not bound by time sometimes jams up our plans and gets our spirit crossed up. Abraham bound his son, placed him on that sacrifice, raised the knife, and at that moment in time, it was a moment in time for Abraham. It was certainly a moment in time for God. And God said, right now, right now. It's amazing how when God steps into our life and says, now, how those floods of emotions that we have been experiencing just kind of washed away. If I have shared this publicly, I don't think I have. If I have, just pardon me. But we have a pastor, I have a pastor friend in, in, um, in our old section three. And they have been trying to get a building for ever. And just everything just, they're just so close so many times and things just seem to fall apart and he's never been a complainer by any stretch of the imagination but there have been seasons of just, what in the world? What in the world? We just can't get anything to come together. And this hasn't been just a few months. This has actually been several years. They have a place to worship but they're looking for their own place of worship and, and that would certainly make sense to us who have one. And so the other, a few weeks ago, um, Brother Williams and I were together actually and he was sharing uh, with me something that was unfolding in their life. He said, you know, we uh, found a, a piece of property and, and, um, and he said, you know, we, we went out to look at it and, and the, the realtor called the other day and he said, if you are, I want to know if you're really serious about this. He said, well, we're, you know, we're thinking about it. And said, Okay, so another couple of days, the realtor calls. Said, I just need to know if you're serious about this. And so he said, "Well, we're, you know, we're praying about it." He don't really know how spiritual to get with his realtor. You know, <laughs> we're praying about this. We're trying to get the mind of God about this, and he don't really understand. On the other end, God is working. And so he said, I, I, "Another final phone call." He said, "I just need to know if you've been out to look at the. Yes, we we've been out, and 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 yes, we really believe that we're serious." He said, "Well, I just got something to tell you. The man who owns the property is 91 years old. When I told him that you want to build a church there, he said, I want you to take 50 percent off the price." So I was, "Wow, man, we're just rejoicing in this." They're closer now than they've ever been to having their own property and, 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 and it's not in some remote region of their city. It's just right on Main Street. They're gonna be in a great position. But he said, you know, we have less than half of the money. But he said, I just know that God's gonna make a way. And so through a friend of a friend, and I, I mean that literally, through a friend of a friend, he got a phone call and he said, I understand, this businessman says, I understand that, that, that your church family is, is going to buy this such and such piece of property. He said, yes, sir. And so he kind of told him what, what had happened up to this point. He said, well, you do, do you have the money to do that? He said, no, sir, we don't. But we have this much money and we're going we're gonna to be able to borrow this much money. And he said, well, you don't need to do that because my wife and I would like to pay for that. So then he sends me a text about three days or, or about a few days later, at least on a Monday morning, he sends me a text on a Monday afternoon rather and he says, just a real brief text, had the closing today paid in full. I had to call him. And what he said on the phone is my whole point in bringing it up. He said, this happened just so fast. <laughs> it just happened so fast. But I remember those lonely conversations when he said, I don't know. I don't know. They actually went to a closing on another building and when the people that owned the building found out they were Pentecostal got up and walked out of the room. Am I telling the truth? 
no, I hope I didn't just need you to validate all that. <laughs> oh, well, a little credibility here, but I just felt like saying that. Amen. <laughs> She's going to stand. He's telling the truth about that one right there. They were disillusioned beyond being disillusioned. I've watched them sitting on the bottom with their feet hanging over the edge. And when it was all done, because God was right on time, his absolute takeaway, this happened so fast. Because God's provision has a way of just pushing all the fodder out of the way. And everything you've ever had to wade through to get where you are right now, (laughs) you have your own story to tell. Whatever you had to wade through to get here right now, whatever scars you bear in your body, your heart, or your soul, God was working everything out. And maybe if it had happened a year ago or five years ago or if it had happened yesterday, maybe, maybe it would not mean what it means to us now. But Abraham says, I've got something to take home. Amen. I wonder what, pardon me, let's stand. That'll make you feel better. I just kind of wonder what the conversation was like when he got back down to the base of the mountain. I don't think there was any arrogance or no pompous spirit. I don't think Abraham was coming down high five and told you we'd be back. No. I think there was something so settled in his, so forever settled in his spirit. Maybe his countenance wasn't changed as Moses' countenance was changed when he came off Mount Sinai. But I believe something was different about the Abraham that came down the mountain because he walked away with an assurance that God is my provider. And if we can walk away from this building tonight and this service with it underlined that God will take care of me. He knows exactly where I am. I just feel like we need to pray and ask God to touch this word to our heart. I feel like the Lord has spoken something tonight. God, I'm asking you this evening to touch the life of every individual that's in this building and I'm asking you God to touch the life of anybody that will hear this message later. I'm asking you God to let your spirit just let it live God. Let it come alive in in their heart and in our hearts and help us to never lose sight of those moments where you move where you speak whether you speak very pronounced or we have something tangibly to take home with us as a keepsake or in those subtle moments, God, where you just massage your will into the fabric of our lives and make us what we are, just day by day growing us into your image and into your and fashioning after your likeness. God, whatever route you choose, help us to be satisfied with that and confident in Jesus' name. Amen. May God bless you. I love you with all my heart. Let's make the rest of this journey together. And whatever we do, let's make heaven our home. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.